man, did you see the size of that thing? Now, if you're going to be out there fishing and you're illegally doing it, you should be thrown in a pen for a crab pot. I'd have to say, if you're going to use a long shank hook, great for whiting, perfect for yabbies, not the best for live bait, such as a herring. Oh, come on, mate, you're joking, aren't you? That's absolute, that's that's rubbish, you know. Now put yourself in a fishing line here. Now, that's a catch. That is a quality catch. Well done, champion. And it's a big good morning or wherever you are around the country. G'day to you. You are listening to a podcast with Step Outside with Paul Burt. You've got Bertie here online and uh, love to have your company. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this. Whether you're fishing, driving, cycling or whatever, I don't really care. As long as you're just enjoying yourself doing whatever you want to do. Now, of course, today on Step Outside with Paul Burt, well, yesterday, depends when you're listening. We did, on Halloween Day, the 31st of October 2021, uh, we went tailor fishing. And it's such a, a great pastime, tailor fishing, whether you, you love to eat them or you don't like to eat them, but love to catch them. And that's what it's about, is getting out there and wetting the line. And it's an absolute art. When they're on the bite, it's not. You just chuck a line in and they'll eat anything. But when they're a little bit finicky, I tell you what, you've got to put the science together to catch this iconic Australian beach fish. And I've got a bloke online now who I fish with a bit down on the local beaches here in southeast Queensland on the fabulous Gold Coast, population of around 700 odd thousand. Generally get about a million people here every week when the borders are open. So do you sort of think, okay, an area that has pressure on it, does it still hold fish? Too bloody right it does. Scotty Charlton's online with me. Good morning to you, Scotty. How are you, buddy? Good morning, Paul. How are you, mate? I am doing okay, thank you. It's uh, you know, it's it's a fabulous start. Very late nights recently, and some super early mornings for one particular reason, chasing the fish that you keep texting me about. Now, uh. <laughs> <laughs> see, I sit back, everyone. If you're wondering what what are we talking about, well, I sit back, and next thing the phone goes, Bing Bing. I look down, and it's Scotty, and I think Taylor on the bite, and then I read his message. And he sends through a photo of generally a dozen good fish lying on the back deck of his joint. Mate, um, tailor fishing, buddy, you, you, you're a bit of a, a pro when it comes to catching these. To me, you are anyway, because I, I listen to what you, you say and do. And, uh, yeah. and, and I learn all the time. Mate, is it unusual to get tailor during springtime? Um, look, I've heard of it, you know, like I've seen it before. Um, but uh, not usually, you know, they, they come up and down south for the winter and they got a bit of meat on them and I don't know where what they're doing. Are they going back or something? But uh, they get a little bit thinner, but larger. But uh, no, it's not unusual to uh, basically uh, get a few tail around this time of the year. Well, I do know the headlands hold tailor 24-7, 365 days of the year, depending on, on the wind, yeah. you know, and, uh, and there's some really big fish amongst them too, particularly areas of, you know, it could be, Burley headland on the Gold Coast, or it could be, you know, uh, different headlands down in northern New South Wales or wherever it might be. But the headlands seem to hold quality fish all the time. But if you get a northerly blow, it really shuts them down. Have you noticed that? Oh, always. Remember, there's been a northerly blow for two days, something like that. I just don't even bother going because they just, they don't, they don't like it. They seem to like a southeast. They come into the gutters on the southeast. And especially if you've got a, a gutter with an in and an out, um, and you get that little narrow section of where they pull up and they're having a good 
good little um, smash up against the bank. Uh, yeah, yeah. Norleys are bad, bad, bad. Yeah. I don't know. I do see people down there fishing for them, though. Yeah, I think you just got to wear the line and and hope for the best. If you you know if you just got that time off and you've only limited oh, due yeah. to that one hour or half a day, regardless of the wind, you're going to go and wet the line, aren't you? But you know whether you catch yeah. one or not, it's a different story. Mate, the um the gear now. Let's start with some of the fishing gear. Now I, I noticed that you love to use the uh, the Alvi. Hasn't really changed in a yeah. century. No, true. Um, look, I've got a got an Alvi. I've always used an Alvi. Um, my dad, who's a good fisherman, tells fishing. He told me how to fish. We always stuck with the Alvi. Uh, nothing wrong with a, you know, a spinning reel, so to speak. But a 13-foot fixed tailor rod, um, I usually just go with um, like a 40-pound trace and four fluoros gang uh, pillies. Mm. Um, I have been known to throw a garfish on there and sometimes end up with a bigger tail than normal. Yeah, so I've just stuck with the Aldi. Um, learned how to cast properly with it, yeah. And you've got to do that, don't you? I mean, to, to cast a side cast reel, there's a little bit of an art to it. And um, and but once you've mastered it, you can you can cast that thing a good hundred yards with the right gear. That's right. Yeah, very true. Yeah, I just remember uh, my old man always going, "Go to the beach, just leave a sinker on there, and learn how to cast properly." So did that, and uh, yeah, it just gives you a bit of an advantage, I think. Get out a little bit further, um, especially if you want to hit or get close to that uh, back bank. That's right. That's Where they right. You know, it, even even to uh, I think a couple of days ago, I think it was, mate. There was uh, it was pretty horrible, shitty weather across the uh, across the southeast uh, east seaboard due to the the trough systems moving through from the west. And uh, mate, I just put two buckets out the front and just cast, cast little little yeah. little weighted plugs. And and the neighbours sort of thought, what the hell is this bloke doing? But I'm sure they're used to seeing weird, <laughs> wonderful things in our driveway. But, um, <laughs> you know, but, true, true. but you know, you just cast into the buckets. It, it, it's, you don't have to get it into the bucket. It's a matter of getting, um, you know, I guess into the impact zone of, of where there's a fish chopping. For example, if your tailor are chopping out the back bank or in the gutter, is you don't want to go down there and not really an idea and, and cast and you lose 50 feet to the left or right of them. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And that happened the other night when I ended up with a, Few tailor, there's a bunch of people uh, fishing to the north of me, but they just uh, were in the wrong spot and just couldn't cast out to where they were. But get that little narrow gutter and comes in a little bit, and uh, yeah, they're in there. But uh, yeah, picking the spot, getting to the right on the can be, you know, between you know, one fish, ten fish if you've got the right spot. Mate, what about the um, what about the gear, as in the leader? Now we've spoken about obviously, you know, the rod and the reel. Poundage of line, what's your favourite Yeah, poundage? I usually, I do, a, I do a mono, um, about 20 pounds, 18 to 20. Okay. And then I do a leader, uh, close to probably 30, 40, no, 30 centimetres. Yep. And I just, that's 40, 40 pounds, uh, mono, and just do the four, four-o gang hooks, pillies. Mate, do you? With, depending. With a? Yeah, just depending on the sinker. Yep. Um, if you want a bit of movement. I don't put a heavy sinker on, but if there's a fair bit of movement, you know, yeah, you just have to put the heavier sinker on. Do you put a swivel above your sinker so your, sw- your sinker's running between two? Are you using a flat surf sinker or are no. you running ball? No, so I'm using a ball sinker. Uh, yeah, my father used to do the, the two um, swivels, you mean, just one down and have yeah. a ball sinker run between the two. Mm. But it's a good way, like, if you don't... I sort of really 
beautiful or a fish when they uh, pick it up and sometimes they run at you. Yeah. You think, oh, fish is coming in, you know, it's coming in, but a lot of times the tail picked it up and coming your way. But I guess with the two sinkers, you know, I'll hit the other, uh, not the two sinkers, the um, two swivels, or I'll hit yeah. the other swivel and sort of jag him a bit, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I always, always find I can cast a little bit better and, and uh, I, I tend to have a, because, um, you know, when, when, you, when the tail are bite, they give you a rattle. You know, they sort of bite yeah. in many different ways, but they that's generally are like a like a like a like that's a severe it. whiting bite, and that's so I, I, I tend to have like try and get the sinker into a, a lump of sand to get some sort of tension onto the line, and then when it when it goes slack and you feel the, the bite, yeah, you, you're you're onto it. But I'm used to using braid on a uh, like a Shimano egg beater or something, you know, and that that's that's my main gear I run these days, and and I use the Alvi the other day, mate. I, I was, I was whipping that rod like you got no idea. I could have, I could have, I could have whipped bloody milk into butter. I whipped the thing so many times <laughs> trying to hook the fish because I wasn't used to the monofilament, that style of rod, and and because I hadn't done it for a long time since I was a younger fella, right? But yeah. um, you know, it, it it's different and it's it's a good way to do it. So learning how to cast eighteen to twenty pound line. We've got the rig sorted. We've got the rod sorted. Thirteen foot six. What are you looking for in the gutter? Are you looking for whitewash there, Scotty? Or are you looking for just yeah, clean water? Well, sometimes I'll wait till a wave mm. breaks out the back and the white water comes in. Then I'll cast on top of the white water. So you're always looking for the white water because they love to get underneath and smash it. Right. Um, look, oh, I do a bit of spearfishing over there too, you know. And you sort of see, you can see them shooting dart and they're always nicking around the place with um, dart as well. Yep. Um, but... Yeah, I always look for a little bit of white water. If the bank's coming along and it's got a little bit of a divot in it, it goes out a bit further, like a little bit of a hole, I'll always throw to that hole because I'll come in and have a sniff there mm. and try and smash whatever's hiding in there. And that's, uh, yeah. And I, I think, and I think the, um, you know, with the white water, all the bait fish, they get up in the neck to kind of hide themselves as well. So I totally know where they are. Mate, I went down to uh, Tally Creek the other day and uh, on the run in tide, first of the run in, the birds are going nuts out the front. There's so much white pilchard activity in the in the water. So clearly that's um, mm. probably a food source that they're, they're feeding on. We went down with a scoop net and just scooped up a, a bucket of these things and, and put them oh. on and, uh, and, and you know, got into the brim and the flatties around the creek entrance there uh, on, on the running tide as the bait fish were moving in. So too were the predatory fish. But that sort of tells me the tailor, um, you know, they're not really worried about the size of the bait they eat. So for white pilchard size, lures to match the hatch would be good. And, of course, when they're just in the whitewash, you use your pilly. And as you say, garfish. But have you ever used horse mackerel at all there, Scott? Yeah, well, back in the day, my dad used to um, get a horse mackerel. You'll uh, take the slice off, salt both of them, mm. slap them together, wrap them up in newspaper, and uh, he'd pull a you know, slab of that out uh, and use it. Yeah. But it'd be just about, oh, look, it'd be only um, two centimetre, oh, centimetre, a bit more than a centimetre wide, and you have a two hooks, one um, down the bottom, one on the top, just to, you know, to hold it. Yeah. And same rig, uh, same um, you know, mono and the, the sinker and swivel yeah. and the, yeah. the leader and whatever, but he used to clean up on bigger tailor yeah. than usually you would with pilchers. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing, isn't it? Like your pillies catch your chopper tailor, the odd bigger one. Your, your mm. garfish get the bigger, mostly bigger fish, and then your your your, your uh, horse mackerel generally gets, you know, elephants. 
you're catching yeah, you're yeah, catching yeah, yeah. the donkey of the tail, a big fish, you know, that sort of two, four, six kilo fish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. It's weird. It's just um, if you're sort of fishing and you want to get over there and you want to get as many as you can because they only stick around for, you know, sometimes they might stick around for half an hour. Mm. They come on, they go off the bite. But, um, yeah, if you're going to pick up a big one, yeah, you pick it up with um, horse mackerel for sure. Mate, when it comes to that, you've caught your tailor. You've got him back in on the beach. You've you've got him in your hand. Are you bleeding the fish straight away? What's what's your next um, procedure? Yeah, well, what I do, uh, I'll pull him in. I have a, a bag, an Albie bag, on me on me from the bait. Mm. I'll snap his neck straight away, mm. and um, you know, just break his neck and squirt the blood out and put him in my bag. And it's all about getting that next bait back on as quickly as you can. Taylor fishing is one of those things that you don't mind if there's you know half a dozen blokes either side of your shoulders. I seem mm. to find that the most you know the more bait in the water, the more burly in the water, the more active the fish are. Have you found that? That's correct. Yeah, having more um, bait in the water and more guys fishing, it does it keeps them around longer. They think you know a bit of a feet on here, so they stick around longer. You just want them to cast good. straight. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, the scissors come out and you say, oh, I'll untangle you. Oh, shit, I cut the wrong yeah, one. Yeah, someone says, oh, you'll untangle you. And next minute they got it in their mouth and bite you off. <laughs> you, ever caught, you, ever, you ever caught a tailor with another rig in his mouth? No. No, I can't. So I, have, I have seen them spearfishing just in the gutter over there. Go yeah. by and I've got a rig, you know, rig in the mouth. What's it like spearfishing in the surf? Fun. Um, yeah. I get over there, and like you're only in probably chest deep water sometimes. And, yeah. Um, hand spear, your whiting, your brim, flathead, flathead. Yeah, cool. Um, my daughter got one there, probably about, oh, it was legal. It was a big legal one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she was yeah. only in the water for about five minutes. Wow. So Mate, that's they're that... all in there. There's a lot of whiting and brim and flathead. Yeah, that's cool, isn't it? You know, what you, you just don't mm-hmm. see what's under the water when you're above it. No. Look, I remember going over there with my brother and uh, son-in-law and uh, we're there about four o'clock in the afternoon. There's just thousands of tail in the water. So we just jumped out, went home and uh, another, uh, my other son-in-law came down and three of us, we just had a sweat up pulling his tail and we got our bag limit. <laughs> Very quickly. Why go to Fraser Island? <laughs> <That's it. laughs> Mate, um, and that, this is the, the, you know, we're on the Gold Coast and, and there are, a lot, there's a lot of people here. And there's a lot of people that fish. It's the highest amount of registered boats per capita in the southern hemisphere is is right on our doorstep. And and the pressure that goes onto the fishing here is is quite intense. But it's monitored well, and it just goes to show what we're talking about now and having that sort of fish right on your doorstep when people are walking along the beach and not many people are fishing around you, mate. It's it, it's a great place to be. But tell me about the cooking procedure there, Scotty. I mean, what what do you do with your fish? You've caught it. You've bled it. What's the deal? Right. So what I did, I usually uh, clean up all my fish. I went down to the woods and bought a ironing board. So I clean them up there, scale them. I'll um, cut their heads off, uh, gut them, and I'll hold them till the next day. So I wouldn't eat them that night because I'll let rig and water to kick in. Because yeah. they sort of you put them in the pan, they just bend up. Um, yes. So what I do, I just uh, I'll skin it, yep. debone it, yeah. and then I'll get a plastic bag, salt and pepper, um, oh. flour, shake them around in there, and I'll cook it up uh, just in a little bit of oil and butter. Yep. And put it on the um, boy. Well, usually get the outside presentation side first, and um, cook it first, and get it through, and then put a heap of um, 
lemon on it, and yeah, just serve it up. A few wedges of lemon and chips, and that's it. Done, done and dusted, mate. It's pretty. It's a simple way of cooking them up, but you don't want to lose the flavour. Now, I was talking to a fellow there the other day. He was telling me that they're really good for sashimi. Have you ever done Taylor sashimi? I haven't. Uh, no, too much like bait to me. I reckon you're right. <laughs> this is the thing. This fellow, Tim Cheeseman, if you're listening, mate, this one goes out to you. He he, he was saying, you know, you can they're good um, and the, and the, the flavour is mild. I don't know. I, I, I find people, some people love to, uh, uh, you know, catch fish or they don't like to eat them and think they're too fishy. But I yeah. also understand that those people may like, uh, you know, tuna or, or uh, salmon and all that, and I find those fish fishy so it's a di- everyone has a different palate and there's no- nothing wrong with that so maybe they would be good on the sashimi plate with a little bit of soy and wasabi on the side yeah, yeah it could be still, still like bait mate um, <laughs> yeah running out of bait and using Taylor for bait <laughs> <laughs> good, good on good on brim sorry timmy good on you mate you're in your own there bud mate um so your Taylor are a strong fish uh obviously you've cooked them up yep. are they freezable no, they're not. Mm. You've got to eat them within about no more than two days, really. You want the best out of them. Yeah. You freeze them up, you pull them out, and they just mush. Yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe good for like a, maybe good for your your Thai fish cakes in that case. If you you go to Fraser yeah. Island to catch a fish, or where you were, you you know you're bagging out. You've got your fish. You've got an esky for you've caught twenty, mate. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's a lot of fish to eat. Um, so maybe maybe fish cakes could be a, on the menu. Yeah, that'd be a way to go. Mm. That'll work well. Yeah. Mate, do you um, no. leave your fish whole if you get a lot uh, and in on a nice slurry for a couple of days and, and then clean them up as well? Is that something that you like to do or you just do it straight away? Uh, you mean what, not gut them? Yeah. No, I always, I always gut them. I, um, I gut them, clean them up, have their heads off and um, scaled and I just put them in a, like a big um, pan Yeah, and then I just, Put a um, glad wrap over the top, mm. yeah, so it doesn't sort of get too you know cold or whatever. Yeah, keep it so, nice yeah, and fresh. Yeah, like them. Yeah, nice and fresh. I find some of the tailor yeah. get a little bit mushy around the shoulders. If you feel what they're, they're really soft, I, I tend to let those ones go. I don't know why yeah, they, they do get, get that. Yeah, like a mashed potato, don't they? Mm. It's kind of. And weird. I sort of think more around now than the winter time when they're in the prime. Yeah. Um, well, it is weird yeah, no, that they. It is weird they get a little um, thin this time of the year when there's so much bait about too. Yes, um, <clears throat> maybe they've just been up to Fraser Island and had the party, and they're heading back, and they're all lean, <laughs> lean, <laughs> and the fish too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know the tailor do, do the tailor do move from the reef, and the beauty is, uh, you know, in, in our neck of the woods, we do have reefs close to the beach. So whether they they duck out to the reefs and then come back in on the right the right wind and the right sea movement. So, you know, that's probably one good reason as to why we do have a, a, a good run of tail around these areas because there is a, that local uh, hiding ground. Sure. You, yeah, you can get out there and, and you do get a lot of tailor on the on the local reefs, which is, um, you know, and some of them are good. And then obviously you get your other fish, your sharks, your cobia or your, your black kingfish smashing in those uh, tailor mm-hmm. schools. No, I've been fishing out on the Mermaid Reef back in the day. I used to drag a tinny across the beach prize and putting all the decks in. Yep. And we used to have a, you know, pick up a lot of tail out there, but also end up with a good lot of spotty mackerel when we're on. But yeah. It's always fun getting off the beach in a boat and getting back in again. How do you do it nowadays, mate? Do you put the kayak in and go out? 
No, I'm not into kayaks. So I sort of see too many of these um, shows where sharks come by. Big ones. <laughs> 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 That's not going to get me doing that. I've mate, seen sharks out there. <laughs> mate, you see, you see too many paddles washed up on the beach trying to get out through the back yeah. road and you lost the rods. Oh. Yeah. Don't know. Too many stories. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I do too um, visual, too what, visual on Instagram. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. Just stay off social media, mate, and uh, and just sort of forget about the sharks. I know uh, yeah. stand up paddling is a good way to get out through the surf and get amongst some um, some spotty mackerel. Done that. That's a lot of fun. You get out to the local grounds and have a crack at that. Yeah, that'll be a way to go. Yeah, definitely. Just don't fall off. Please, yeah, if there anything happens, you can just call into someone's boat. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you normally sit right beside them because you you, know, you, you can stealth, stealthily move in front of the pros and get the line down beside them before they see you. It's a good, yeah, way, good, good way to do it. Good way to do it, mate. Hey, Scotty, I'm going to say thanks for your time, mate. You've been a wealth of knowledge as per normal. And um, tailor fishing, you know, anyone who's keen to get out there and have a crack at tailor fishing, it's a good way to do it. And, of course, mate, um, you know, sit back, do everything that you've said, and uh, fingers crossed you come up trumps. Yeah. Be uh, consistent. Don't get them this time, you get them next time. That's exactly it, mate. Love your work. Hey, thanks for that, Scotty. All right, Paul. Good to hear you. You too, mate. Bye. Bye bye, mate. There yeah. you have it, everybody. Scotty Charlton. I'll tell you what, this guy knows all about Taylor. And it's good fun. Hey, that's it for another Step Outside podcast. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll catch you again next week with our Step Outside show on Seven Mate, right around this amazing country of ours. And as we love to say, and as a Scotty would say as well, cool may your rod bend off and everyone, as we take it easy. Outside. Outside.